Welcome to the Inspiring Energy Talk. SCS Inspire is a market intelligence subscription-based service of the SCS Group. We provide regulatory and market analysis on conventional and alternative fuels. That includes bio-based fuel, gaseous fuel, synthetic fuels, and also exhaust emissions regulation. In this episode on ethanol blending, specifically India's ethanol blending, I have Dr. SSV Ramakumar with me. Dr. Ramakumar holds a doctorate in chemistry from IIT Ruka and is the former director of RFP of Indian Oil Corporation. He has 35 years of experience in lubricant technology, refinery process switches, and, and a catalyst development. Dr. Ramakumar also was pioneering various alternative energy programs, including waste to energy, bioenergy, solar, energy storage, and hydrogen strategy, to name a few. He published more than 150 research journals and holds many patents. That is impressive. Hello, Dr. Ramakumar. Thank you for being here with me. It's been a long time since we met and had a conversation. How have you been? Only last month, I limited the office uh, from Indian Island R&D Central. After having served about seven years on the board of Indian Oil uh, as director R&D. Uh, before I pick up the uh, new assignment, I'm here with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. So uh, about the India ethanol blending, I understand that Brazil started with commercial ethanol blending gasoline in the 1970s in response to the sudden increase in crude oil prices, as well as to reduce the country's dependency on imported gasoline. The fact that Brazil is one of the major ethanol producers actually has a significant influence on this decision. Um, the U.S. is also a major ethanol producer. Both Brazil and the U.S., they, they, they take turns as the world's biggest ethanol producers. Ethanol is also blended with gasoline in the U.S. In the 70s, the U.S. started with commercial ethanol blending gasoline for the same reason as Brazil. The crude oil price was too expensive. Then environmental concerns resulted in the removal of lead from gasoline. I think you might be aware, really aware of it. And these two increases the need for ethanol as an octane booster. By using ethanol as an oxygenate, carbon monoxide emissions can be controlled. Now India follows the steps. So what are the reasons or drivers for this ethanol blending in India and why ethanol and not other types of alcohol? Yeah, so it's good. Actually, the Indian economic story is uh, very much akin to the Brazil one. And the reasons are also probably the same. Or, uh, we know that uh, India is uh, is majorly an oil importing nation. And 80% of our energy needs, uh, we are dependent on imports from many East and uh, many other oil producing nations. And uh, uh, you know, the, the 
main driver, main driver for us to start picking up lending and gasoline is to reduce those imports to start with uh, uh, by by blending some oxygenate, which would be easily visible and uh, which would not hamper the uh, performance on gasoline in the in the automobiles. So when we scouted for this, uh, ethanol uh, ethanol fits the bill. And uh, for India to go hold on behind ethanol, there is some other reason also, because we are also a major uh, agrarian economy, uh, so to say. And the main crops in India are uh, are rice, that means paddy, wheat, uh, and to a great extent sugarcane. So, uh, so uh, these are the real feedstocks through which one can produce ethanol. And uh, ethanol is also being seen as additional revenue for the Indian farmers to raise their income. So this is this is a, a in a way it's a politically correct campaign uh, to to boost, give a boost to the agrarian, agrarian economy and to raise the standards of the government. So both reasons gel well uh, with the policy vehicles of the government of India. And that's how there is a, there is a preponderance for ethanol as a blending oxygenate for gasoline. You asked me a question. It's a very, very good question. Why not other alcohol? Why only Yeah. Yeah. So, so in fact, uh, in fact, uh, when I was uh, director R and D, uh, the highest planning published planning uh, uh, organization of the country, the government, uh, what we call NITIO, or uh, it actually sets the uh, policy policies for uh, in a packet of five years. We call five year plans. NITIO and uh, uh, entrusted the job or the mind leadership to look for methanol. Why not methanol to be a blending option? Oh, uh, the reason the reason for that is Indian coal, the coal available in in the country, is a very high ash containing coal, and uh, its combustion efficiency is not all that good, unless you mix it with low ash containing coal. And low ash containing coal is again uh, we we would be depending on import imports because that is not available in our country in great abundance. Or to convert which is a naturally occurring high ash containing coal through gasification road and produce uh, methanol. Uh, because coal gasification, uh, the easiest product that one can produce is ethanol rather than uh, methanol rather than ethanol. The C2 alcohol of C3, C4. As you go up the carbon ladder, I think it will be uh, that much more tough chemistry wise. That's why methanol, uh, uh, methanol, there was some interest, but methanol is more challenging than oxygenate to blend with gasoline because it is highly polar. It is one carbon atom, it is highly polar, mm. the visibility and the stability of methanol in gasoline uh, is, is uh, that much more tough compared to blending ethanol and maybe higher alcohols in gasoline. So. While some efforts are still going on to use methanol also uh, to blend gasoline, but majorly the country is now behind ethanol. I see. I see. 
I will coming back to that methanol question a little later, but that's an um, interesting uh, background of, of choosing ethanol. When did India start blending ethanol into gasoline? Wow, well, 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 very good story of ethanol and blending. It's, it's a good case study for any other country which is not freshly thinking of using an oxygenate ethanol oh, and uh, gasoline. We started, we started way back in 2003. And at that time, the initial mandate was to blend 5% of ethanol in gasoline. And majorly, ethanol production in our country is by fermentation of sugarcane molasses. There was no other, uh, there was no other technology to convert any other feedstock into ethanol. And so, against the five percent, five percent mandate, we were we were uh, doing the abysmal percentages of half a percent or one percent for quite a for a long time, for a, quite okay. a long time. And then uh, there were there were some restrictions. India is a very vast country. Maybe in certain pockets where sugarcane production is uh, high. You can still produce ethanol, but there are certain uh, geographies within the country where sugarcane production is not there, and there were restrictions to move ethanol from one state to the other state for quite a long time in the country. So, so all these limitations uh, really held us back, even to achieve five percent of ethanol uh, till almost the 2008 and 2009. And uh, probably uh, in 2009 or 2010, we started working on why not we raise the, uh, the ethanol blending percentage because policymakers said that they would like to ease out the movement of ethanol from one part to the other part of the country. So, so uh, when when everybody recognized, the industry recognized, the automobile industry recognized, the oil and gas industry recognized that both one real impediment that uh, there are such certain states where huge surplus of ethanol is there. There are some northeastern states of the country where there is not even a single drop of ethanol because sugarcane is not a crop to be produced there. So somewhere in 2014 or so, these restrictions were taken up. And freely ethanol can be moved from a ethanol surplus state to ethanol okay. efficient state so that on pan-India basis, ethanol availability can be improved. That's how somewhere in 2015 and 2016, our mm -hmm. blending percentages started raising. And uh, on the, uh, I think for the first time in 2018 and 2019, we achieved as a nation on pan-India basis 10% ethanol blending in the entire gasoline. Oh, wow. So the, the penetration of ethanol reaching 10% on average, the whole country. Yeah. That. And and after more than two decades of adding ethanol to gasoline, so the current level, what is the current level of, of or, or the percentage, average percentage of ethanol in India's gasoline at present or maybe... Yeah, right now, right now we are we are doing in excess of ten on on Panadia basis. Well, certain states mm. they are doing. Uh, our national average is around twelve percent today, eleven point seven to twelve percent. Uh, we are doing yeah average. Uh, national average is twelve percent. 
But uh, somewhere in 2021, our Honorable Prime Minister, Sri Narendra Modi, he has given a roadmap for ethanol blending in the country. And uh, originally, we were to raise the percentage by 2030 to 20%. But we advanced by seeing the success in 2018 and 2019. He advanced the target of blending 20% by 2025. Now, the new target for the nation is by 2025, on pan-India basins, the entire country would be running on 20% ethanol blended gasoline. And right now, I am speaking to you, 1,900 retail outlets on pilot basis on pan-India, on pan-India basis, they already started dispensing E20, that is 20% EVP. For in 1,900 retail outlets of various state controls, oil marketing company. I must also let you tell you that what what brought about this change? While we were we were singularly dependent on only sugarcane molasses to produce mm. then God Bonner took a lot of initiatives to mm. enhance and expand the feedstock base of ethanol production. Okay. So all the agricultural all the agricultural tools mm. were pressed into producing ethanol by second generation ethanol producing technologies like mm. rice straw, wheat straw, cotton straw, uh, cellulosic, and government has put up a lot of uh, uh, financial incentives. Uh, like anybody would like to use those second generation feedstocks, cellulosic, lignocellulosic feedstocks, then uh, some viability gap funding was made available from the country. For those oh. private entrepreneurs to set up those kind of plants. And the technology also has, uh, has come of the age to oh. convert these kind of agri residues into ethanol. So, for example, Indian Oil, my previous company, uh, till, till last month, um, it is the largest for Indian oil and gas company. Uh, oh. This is, uh, this has just commissioned a second generation ethanol where 800 metric ton of uh, uh, rice straw is every day getting converted into ethanol, which is which is uh, around uh, 100 kL, uh, kilometers of ethanol every day. Every That's day, right. huge plant that we are. This is this is Asia Asia specific uh, Asia specific by uh, largest second generation ethanol plant today operating. In one of uh, our refinery locations. Yeah, I, I jump a bit to, to continue with the the uh, cellulosic ethanol that you mentioned. So you mm. uh, you produce ethanol mostly from sugar cane, juice and molasses, and then you also produce grains. Um, a couple of cellulosic ethanol also, uh, the plants are coming uh, as well. Uh, what I ask you is, there is a typically there is a significant difference in the production cost between the conventional ethanol production technology and then the cellulosic ethanol technology. Uh, the ethanol produced are, is the same. So how will India bridge the this cost gap and take the cellulosic ethanol to to side by side with the conventional ethanol, because I understand ethanol in India is uh, the price is set by the government, right? How how do you think it will be bridged? 
No, no, it's a, it's a very good question and a topical question. Then, uh, I mean, uh, when you when you talk about second generation economic option pathways, the technologies are still not really mature. First of all, uh, it, uh, any second generation economic technology, it proceeds by three major steps. The pre-treatment mm -hmm. in CD, the hydrolysis, hydrolysis of the chambers, and then finally the fermentation. The mm -hmm. hydrolysis step requires the hydrolysis requires enzyme. This is majorly enzymatic for enzymatic for our hydrolysis process. And the pre-treatment requires large amounts of acid and base, depending on the technology pathway that one selects. In spite of this, the yields all over the world for second generation pathways are just just twenty seven percent. To put it in perspective, for uh, one ton of feedstock, one ton uh, of feedstock, you get only 270 per liters of it. And the major byproduct uh, is uh, lignin. Lignin is a byproduct which requires a lot of alternative valorization pathways. Uh, so, you are asking a question that how we are going to bridge this cost efficiency, difference in cost efficiency. Well, in the right. second so, uh, so, so the, the, the only thing is that right now the enzyme is the most cost intensive, cost intensive component of the impact process. And mm -hmm. it is, it is being imported today. And only one supplier in the entire world is producing that enzyme. I so, most of the Indian researchers and the Asian researchers are concentrating on indigenous development of this enzyme, which accounts for 30, 30 to 40 percent of the revenue expenditure of running this, this flat. And my, my R&D center under my stewardship, we could able to develop an indigenous enzyme, and which was scaled up to almost 5,000 meters level. So all our next plants, which we are going to set up for second generation pathways, they will be employing indigenous indigenous enzyme, thereby reducing the cost by thirty to forty percent. And that's the threat. Yeah, and then one more one more thing is this lignin, this huge amount of lignin. If I can valorize this to produce value added chemicals, then the whole process will be cross cross subsidized. So that the ethanol production can come down. So a lot of work uh, of many research schools, including my team at Indian Oil r &D, they are concentrating on how to valorize this lignin, which is otherwise a waste byproduct being generated from these plants. Can this be converted into value-added chemicals and bioplastics? So we have some good success stories uh, to be implemented. So. All these interventions put together in the next five to six years, we are very, very confident that the cost efficiency of second generation ethanol will be almost, if not on par, it will be almost in the same bracket as that of as the ethanol. That's interesting that the secret of of how to make it level the cost, because I understand in other countries they are still struggling with that. Um, how to to make it on par? So, 
I understand that India's government set a target, just like you mentioned earlier, for the 20 volume percent of ethanol penetration, um, April 2025. Brazil is currently implementing actually the highest blending at 27 percent. Um, the U.S. gasoline in the U.S. typically contains 10 volume percent of ethanol. So with 20% of ethanol, India currently sits between the U.S. and Brazil amongst the top three of, of um, ethanol um, in gasoline. So after this E20, what is the next plan? Do you think ethanol percentage will be increased further? Or, or if yes, until what level? If not, why? Yeah, so uh, it's it's a good point to crystal gaze for the future. But what what I feel is uh, uh, many automakers in India, uh, whether they are they are multinational automakers, especially the passenger car makers, where the maximum gasoline gasoline consumption is there, they are now working on flexi fuel platforms. The two wheelers and the four wheelers, well, they are working on flexi fuel platforms. So uh, while while the base blending percentage for quite some time, I in my personal perception will remain at twenty percent. But most of the oil marketing companies beyond twenty twenty five, they are going to launch E hundred. That is hundred percent ethanol directly getting dispensed, oh. and like Brazil in a retail outlet, the customer will be having a choice that beyond twenty, if he wants to go uh, beyond that twenty for price advantage and to take the price advantage, he can mix on board the higher amount of ethanol. I think we would be going in that direction once the automobile industry ready to flexi fuel. Flexi fuel vehicles uh, flying on the Indian roads. I know a couple of uh, two-wheeler manufacturers, major two-wheeler manufacturers of the country, and also for two uh, passenger car manufacturers are in advanced stage of field validation of their flexi fuel vehicles. And once they start flying on the road, probably uh, the oil marketing companies and the entire oil industry is fully geared up to large E100. Uh, our our ethanol availability, our projections, our projections are also uh, indicating beyond 2025. I think uh, we'll be having more than 2,000 crore liters. One crore in Indian system is 10 million. 10 million, so yeah. Around 2,000 crores, and for for satisfying uh, 20% blending mandate, you require only on national basis. Thousand crores, so we'll be having twice the amount of ethanol available within the country. So it's a good motivation for people to go to flexi fuel mode and uh, uh, blend as much of ethanol that one can go, uh, depending on the consumer choice. And oil marketing companies here will start dispensing E hundred straight. Wow. Yeah, so that it means that the penetration on of ethanol in Pan India basis will be more than twenty percent. Then, if in that sense, right? Wow. Yeah, you really put India like in the top three of of the ethanol users, or maybe the top two because the US still at the ten percent. So 
India is very active in searching for alternative fuels for transport. Um, I'm aware also that you are, I mean, the country is trying methanol gasoline blending, just like you mentioned earlier. In fact, I heard that M15 gasoline was sold in the fuel station in Assam last year. Yeah. Is it the commercial or pilot sales? No, these are pilot sales because okay. M15 blends were, were being intensely investigated in existing vehicle parts. There are, uh, there are some limitations, uh, so we are just trying to supplement how this, I was the one who led the team to, or to first of all, develop a stable M15 blend. Oh, because okay. uh, methanol, 15% methanol is quite unstable in gasoline. The storage stability is uh, very poor. So uh, me and my team, we've been able to develop a good coupler which can hold the methanol in gasoline for quite some time, uh, okay. for six to seven months and eight months. And with that, we did a lot of studies, both Indian studies, Indian level studies, and the field validation studies. And uh, there are one or two points, some incompatibility with some material is, uh, is, uh, is identified. So automobile industry is working on how to replace those materials and make them um. M15 compatible. So it's it's still largely in testing stage. In testing. But do you, think, do you think the government will mandate methanol blending gasoline? Because now, right now, you have a quite advanced mandate on ethanol. So with that, do you think methanol also will be mandated in gasoline? My take and uh, my, if, if I know the... Uh, minds of policy makers because uh, I, I work very closely with the policy makers of India, government of India. So in, instead of gasoline, instead of pressing methanol into gasoline, because gasoline, as you rightly observed, we are more or less uh, determined to go the ethanol way for gasoline yeah. blend. Yeah. And methanol, we are trying to look avenues for uh, uh, diesel. In fact, MD15, is the one which is now being extensively used for city bus transport and heavy duty diesel segment. Oh, heavy duty diesel segment. As I'm speaking to you, 70 buses in one of the south uh, southern Indian state are on a field trial when the 15 percent on methanol blended diesel is being used in them, and they are being closely watched and observed. Uh, study scientifically for emission reduction and other other related uh, parameters. So I think uh, uh, I think in my personal perception, gasoline will be entirely on ethanol and that all uh, methanol if if available methanol if available in large quantity, it can be diverted to diesel or it can be diverted to inland waterways where uh, can. Uh, M hundred, straight away in M hundred. All the okay. fishing boats and small boats, oh, no. they can be run replacing the entirely diesel ethanol to M hundred. Okay, but I also yeah. found out that um, there's an unusual blend of ethanol and diesel, of which also it's um, under trial. Uh, can you explain a bit on the ethanol and diesel and the difference between the methanol diesel yeah. blend? 
I was I was expecting this question because uh, <laughs> when, when I was in Indian oil, we were experimenting for all kinds of opportunities. Yes, any motivation for blending ethanol, uh, blending ethanol and diesel or methanol and diesel is that white uh, ethanol blending and gasoline. Way back in 2000, we mandated that uh, 7% of blending of biodiesel and diesel mm-hmm. because our single dieselized economy. More than 100 million metric tons of diesel per annum mm-hmm. India consumes. Yeah, correct. Um, for, the, for the commercial commercial segment, for the agriculture segment. Oh, and even 5% reduction in diesel consumption makes a great impact on our imports of the food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, but biodiesel, biodiesel is a scarce, biodiesel is a scarce uh, uh, commodity in the country for want of right kind of feedstocks in the country. Oh. Non-edible, non-edible vegetable oils are not available in our country. That's uh-huh. the reason why biodiesel program never took off. No, so yeah, now correct. We are bowed by the availability of ethanol and we know oh. that ethanol would be surplus post-2025, why not some amount of surplus ethanol can be diverted from diesel? With that idea, we started EB5 okay. experimentation. Oh. And two, two leading very duty bus manufacturers and truck manufacturers uh-huh. joined hands with us to experiment on EB5 at the engine level. You see, one of the main Main limitations of blending ethanol and diesel is the flash point will go down. Flash mm-hmm, point uh, will go down from 35 degrees centigrade to almost 9 to 10 degrees centigrade. That's so very low. This would be kind of a that's very low, and the people feel that it would be a safety hazard. But yeah. uh, that might take to both skepticism says, what is the flash point of gasoline? Fuel gasoline, it is minus 20. When you are dealing for times <laughs> in memorial with a product which is minus 20 flash point, this is a plus, uh, plus flash point. I'm talking about flash point. Yeah. And yeah. you know, lower the flash point, the combustion efficiencies will go Yes. We are working very closely with fuel injector manufacturers like Bosch. And we are experimenting right now. Uh, right now, a lot of experimentation is going on as we did not R&D center. And there are these uh, fuel injector manufacturers and the heavy duty uh, manufacturers. And maybe next year, you will hear something on EV5. I'll speak again with you next year. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, really. So now, now coming back to... to um, to to ethanol, so you mentioned earlier as well the um, India will have two times of the ethanol supply compared with the demand, right? Two times of the demand. So regionally, Asia is a net importer of ethanol. Is a, a region. So although it's difference between country to country, so uh, rather than having uh, ethanol for diesel. Have it probably India will export ethanol, become a net exporter of ethanol in the future, right? So, how about the feedstock itself? I understand um, you also look into the cellulosic ethanol. Any consideration to use cassava in, in this case, the non edible cassava as feedstock? 
Well, so uh, uh, not much of work is going on, but there is a new variety called Napier, Napier grass. Oh. That is amenable for Indian ambient conditions. A uh, few experiments uh, in certain parts, especially in the southern part of the country, people are cultivating uh, in the name of energy crops, this Napier oh. which which can easily be grown with uh, little irrigation facilities. And this Napier grass can be converted from second generation methanol pathways to ethanol, or Napier grass can also be converted into biogas through bio, bio uh, fermentation mechanism. Yeah. So, some people are exper uh, experimenting Napier grass, but I would like to give you a brand new feedstock which we experimented uh, for ethanol production. That mm -hmm. is the refinery of. You see, in the entire carbon trail, ah, six percent ah. carbon carbon trail is accounted by the refining industry, and oh. each refinery emits a, a copious amount of carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and little bit of hydrogen. Oh. So we, uh, I also used to sit on the board of Lancet USA. Which is a carbon recycling company. It is it is having a patented biofermentation, gas fermentation process, whereby all the off gases, true off gases from any industry of gases, like whether it is yeah. from steel industry or refinery industry, they can be converted through microbiological pathways to ethanol and higher So they have all already successfully running plants in China. Uh, mm -hmm. where they are converting blast and this off gases to ethanol and the mm -hmm. plants are there. In fact, in Belgium, in Ghent, ArcelorMittal, one of the largest uh, uh -huh. uh, steel plants, they are also setting up one of the largest uh, ethanol production unit, utilizing their off, uh, off gases from the steel mill uh, using this Lambda Tech technology. So we took a cue since I am on the board of the Lambertech, we I'm a researcher too. So, uh, no, so uh, we we experimented a little bit with our refinery of gas, and oh. for the first time in the world, adopting Lambertech technology, we set up a thirty-three thousand metric ton per annum plan of converting refinery of gas to ethanol. So the the plan capacity annual capacity is thirty-three thousand. Last month, the plant is commissioned, born on steel. Oh. Uh, we started producing uh, green ethanol, so to say, quote-unquote, with 99.9% purity. So it's a, it's a very successful uh, venture for us to extend this Lanzarek technology from steel mill of gas to refinery of gas. Based on the success of this plant, almost all 23 refineries of, the, of, of our country May may add one more feedstock to produce ethanol. That's all our optimism to how surplus ethanol. Oh, okay, beautiful. So, um, you use uh recycle the pollutions from flue gases and everything to produce ethanol, right? But the name will become tricky. It will not be bioethanol anymore. No, uh, no, on the life cycle analysis basis, on the life cycle analysis basis, both US and India 
or recognize this particular ethanol from this pathway as an advanced biofuel. Because yeah. we are not using any chemical substance to convert the off gases. Mm -hmm. And the off gases are renewable because every now and then you can reduce the You get it, yes. And the refinery, a refinery carbon tray can be reduced. And uh, the conversion pathways are uh, very less carbon intensive. So it ensures the mandatory 65% overall life cycle emission reduction. That's why this particular pathway is very well treated as a biopathway. And this product is a biopathway. Okay, interesting, interesting. So it it kind of goes directly into what the currently are called as e fuels, the the synthetic yes e synthetic ethanol. Beautiful, wow. My last question to you: um, Other Asian countries such as the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, also they are mandating addition of ethanol to gasoline. Uh, Philippines and Thailand at 10%, Vietnam at 5%, uh, Japan also mandates certain volume of ethanol to be blended each year, although it mostly blends the bio-ETBE at an equivalent volume. Um, do you think this India ethanol mandate and the way India in the future using that green ethanol uh, more uh, wider area and this ethanol uh, E20 mandate is now the highest in Asia. Do you think it will drive other countries to increase their mandate and perhaps also using green ethanol? Yeah, I I, I very well see this, but these examples, the Indian examples can be easily emulated uh, and, uh, uh, and replicated, especially the green ethanol part of it. Probably the countries that you mentioned, because of uh, paucity of the free land and cultivation, oh. and that much of uh, agricultural produce. If second and first generation, uh, first generation sources are uh, uh, are not tenable, at least the third generation, we are calling it a third generation, though classical definition is allele ethanol. Yeah. But we are, yeah. in our country, we are calling refinery of gas or industrial of gas to not as the third generation. Well, well, well. And these pathways, because all these countries are having refineries. All these yeah. countries are having yeah. cement plants and steel plants. And all right. uh, they emit a lot of industrial of gases. Well, and probably this pathway can be uh, deployed there and you can produce ethanol. And it can be very well treated as a bioethanol. And uh, India can uh, can can offer the collaborative uh, collaborative uh, uh, um, proposition to these countries who oh. help out in understanding the technology. And Lazatech uh, is having a great presence in India. And okay. why I don't see why it can extend uh, its presence into these Asian other Asian countries. Uh, I can be a, I can be a great ambassador and a facilitator should any Asian company would like yeah. these technologies. I can I can make them understand and I can make them to introduce mm. the um, the real company which offers this technology. Uh, I see a great future not not as a not as a commercial man and uh, or taking this because this kills two birds at one shot. 
Yes. See, you can reduce the carbon footprint of your industrial operations, and you yes. can convert that into a gainfully utilized uh, product and blending oxygenate. So oh. your oil pollution can also come down. So it's a it's a win-win situation yes. for for the entire industrial world. I I I tend to agree with you on this uh in on this uh, point and. Uh, reducing the greenhouse gases emissions at the same time increasing the ethanol production of the country in in one go really is um, interesting um it's been a really great discussion with you thank you very much for being here with me anything that india do does typically will drive the growth of of everything else across the globe because India is such a big country. So finally, let's let's hope that whatever we do to reduce the carbon emissions and greenhouse gases emissions in the world will not leave unintended consequences to the next generation to deal with. So thank you for listening to this podcast and talk to you in the next thank episode. You.